Yes, sir. Here we are. Welcome in. It is a Tuesday edition. How's everybody? Hope you're good. Hope you are good. It's all good in the neighborhood. Welcome to the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Mike Steely, Parker Thune here in the Buffalo Wild Wings studios. Parker, how we doing? Everything good? I would say on the whole, everything is good, Steely. Mm-hmm. For a Tuesday? And for a Tuesday. You measure your I, mood by the day of the week, too. I I typically measure my mood by the day of the week, how much sleep I got the previous night, and the weather outside. Those are the three big factors for me. I must have slept pretty well last night because I feel extra energetic, and I feel like the brain's going to be functioning are a little bit better today. Are you extra energetic because you slept well, or are you extra energetic because of that beverage that's I, I in your I just hand? opened it, though. I just opened it, so I don't think what, I— What is that? This is a uh, Juicy Strawberry Amino Energy Electrites beverage, so— very healthy, very healthy, no doubt about it. But yesterday I felt like I had an old man brain day somewhat. So hopefully today I'll be back in my 40s again, even though I'm well past my 40s. So uh, everybody's waiting for this weekend. Zadavian Sims again for down there in Durant. Um, looks like probable commitment to Oklahoma. And or Oregon, depending on who you talk to. That's right. That's right. But uh, I'm going with, with your insight on this. And a lot of people think it is definitely a battle, obviously. And you think it's a battle between Oklahoma and Oregon. But you think he's going to wind up at Oklahoma. The I question do. is, will dominoes start falling? Will, you know, I don't expect all of a sudden, you know, David Stone to turn around and commit. And... Uh, Williams Winery to turn around and commit, or Nigel Smith, any of that stuff to happen immediately. But um, how much do you think those guys are thinking about playing somewhere together? Now, obviously, every great defensive line prospect in this class, they can't all go to the same school. And I'm talking about, you know, some of the top 100 guys, obviously. But um, how much do you think, like, Williams – uh, when Ari and David Stone maybe talk about playing at a certain place, hopefully it's Oklahoma and Zadavian Sims and Nigel Smith and guys like that. They camp a lot together. Do you think there are a lot of those conversations? I know it's certainly a conversation that's been had. And, you know, Nigel Smith, for those that are VIPs on OUinsider.com, uh, they got the chance to read some of the quotes from Nigel Smith after the Oklahoma spring game in which he detailed some of the conversations that he'd had throughout the game with David Stone and Joseph Jonah-Jonier, Joey Big Fish himself. Yeah, I forgot about uh, him. And, yes, to answer your question, it's certainly a conversation piece amongst those guys. What would this look like if we all joined forces and played together at this particular school. And for those guys, that school that they've been referencing to this point in the cycle has been Oklahoma. Yeah, and, uh, you know, forgetting about Ajonye, which I shouldn't because obviously he's clearly very uh, highly touted as well. If you could get – obviously, if you get all five of those guys, that, ladies and gentlemen, would be unbelievable. But it's not realistic. I mean, it's it's a little bit of a fantasy. Or is it realistic? All five – so all five, you have Nwaneri, you have Smith, you have Sims, you have Stone, you have Joseph Jonah and Jonier. Yes, I think that is realistic. Interesting. Now, now you, put, you put a gun wise, to my head and ask me, does OU get every single one of these five guys? I'm going to say no. Just be, And I don't know which one gets away, but all five of them, man, that's an insane haul. And when you throw in Oklahoma's shot with Dominic McKinley 
You throw in Zena Omozalu, who's going to take an official next month to Oklahoma. You throw in Logan Thomas and Jay Sean Ross and Wyatt Gilmore. Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis have blue chippers galore that have heavy interest. That in the sounds like of a great store at the mall, man, where recruiters could just go to blue chippers galore, like <laughs> Candyopolis or Orange Julius or whatever, you know, hot topic. Right next to Hot Topic, it's Blue Chippers Galore. And you just go get to take your pick. But let's say, um, you know, it, it depends on which ones we're talking about. Let's say they get three of the five. You throw, you know, we're talking about David Stone. We're talking about uh, Williams Winnery. We're talking about um, Nigel Smith, Zadavian Sims, and Ajonye. Yep. If you get three of those five, and that's I still really good, four. right? I think they get four of the five. You do think they're, they're I honestly think at this point it's kind of <laughs> – I wouldn't necessarily categorize it as a failure because you'll still have some really good talent, but it doesn't necessarily meet expectations if you only get three of the five based on where you sit right now with all five of those guys. Oklahoma leads outright for every single one of them. There you go. So you say four of the five you would put at, what, 60% now, maybe in that range? I would say the odds you get four out of five are 75 80%. Which would be unbelievable and would be the greatest uh, defensive line haul the Sooners have had in a long time, maybe ever, in a recruiting class. Now, who is the big outlier right now, the one that you feel least confident about? Would it be David Stone because he's working on, you know, his brand and clearly, um, you know, everybody wants David Stone and everybody wants uh, Will Winery as well. But – um, would you say it would be David Stone? No, I would actually probably say it's Noineri and may, maybe Nigel Smith, just because he's taking six official visits, or so he says. But I'm confident in Stone. I'm confident in Sims. I'm confident in Joey Big Fish. And so... Todd Bates right now is in the catbird seat. It's Miguel Chavis who's not necessarily sweating, but he's got more work to be done than his counterpart in the salt and pepper duo, as they call themselves. There you go. All right. Uh, first hour, of course, brought to you by a great company, Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. And you know this, they're going to do great work for you. They're very reliable. Tim Lasher, super reliable as a kicker at OU and his company has that same reputation. They've been in the Oklahoma City metro area now since 2007. They will do a great job for you. Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. All right. Uh, so the Sooners coming off the six and seven of a year ago. And, look, I don't care where you go, you're going to hear good stuff in the offseason. Oh, yeah, working hard, man, the work ethic's there, these kids are bought in, you know, and the players are going to say the same thing. But what is the morale like at the University of Oklahoma in the locker room and the football offices? I still think it's pretty good. I really do. Here's what Dylan Gabriel said about the morale after, you know, during last season and postseason for the Sooners after coming off six and seven a year ago. It's tough. I've, I've never had a season like that probably in my, my whole lifetime, mm-hmm. and at least playing sports. And uh, it's hard because you, you build up hope throughout the season, you know, and you, you win a game and you're building, mm-hmm. you know, building off that, and then you lose a close one. Yeah. And it's like, it's a tough feeling, but the guys stuck together. That's That was probably the... Also, most difficult part is you got someone you believe in. You, know, you got great coaches in the facility. You got great people that want to see us succeed. And it's like 
when you have that, it's difficult because it's like yeah. if it was the other way around, nobody would care. And it's like, yeah, you know, you're all fending for yourself, but everyone's sticking together and kind of like, you know, riding this thing out together, which was, you know, tough to see. There you go. Uh, you know, we're not going to find out really anything in the non-conference part of the schedule for Oklahoma. Clearly, you want to go out and play well and win handily. You know, in these three non-conference games you have with Arkansas State, SMU, and Tulsa. Oh, come on. Oklahoma doesn't go up to green country and win, and we're dubbing them college football playoff contenders? (laughs) Some people will, yes. But how important is it? Because so many Oklahoma football teams have taken the field thinking, you know what, we're just not going to lose. We're not going to. It's kind of like the OU women's softball team. I mean, do you ever think they ever even consider losing? No. And when they get down, they completely, you know, it seems like the next inning, you know what, all right, let's come on, let's do this. Boom. You know, when Texas tied it up the other day, Oklahoma came back, and boom, it was pretty much ball game, it seemed like, the next inning. But it's important for them in some of these, you know, crucial games uh, at Cincinnati, clearly the Cotton Bowl, to get some belief back again that Sooner Magic is still out there and you're going to win close games because – Let's say they go to Cincinnati and bumble and stumble around and somehow get beat. Then you're thinking about last year all over again. So they need, they need to go out. And, again, the Texas game could be the one that puts them on the launching pad to having a real serious season where they may have a TCU season of a year ago. How much belief do you think is still over there? You're over there all the time. How much belief? Yeah, just I in mean, terms of, I mean, I mean, players are always going to tell you everything's great. But you'd be surprised. There tends to be a very realistic outlook over there okay. at Oklahoma. But in terms of belief, in terms of the thought that, okay, this team can travel, this team can run roughshod over the Big 12 and potentially come out with a conference championship down there in Arlington, I think that belief's there, mm-hmm. certainly. Yeah. Now, again – Belief is different than objective outlook, and it's difficult in spring to gauge just how well-rounded and capable your football team is going to be five months down the line when the season opens in September. So I'd say overall, the belief hasn't ebbed at all. The belief amongst the walls of that locker room is very strong, and they are firmly of the opinion that they can do special things as a football team in 2023. But I also think that, you know, the word I've gotten in talking to various people in and around the program is that as far as where things sit at the conclusion of spring in 2023, there are still things to figure out. Right. And cautious there optimism, are still solutions. Would you say? There are still solutions that need to present themselves. And, yeah, cautious optimism, I would say. The belief that when you look at this schedule – and how improved Oklahoma ought to be on both sides of the ball, that this team can win double-digit games, but also the understanding that if you're going to win double-digit games, you're going to have to figure a few things out between now and September. Yeah, no doubt. All right, uh, what do you guys think? 405-651-3439. Busy show today. Uh, Eli Letterman's going to join us in the Tulsa World. We'll talk OU softball and some football as well. 1235 on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. 135, Brandon Rivar, our Thunder insider, will tell us about the Thunder's chances to get in the top four tonight in the NBA draft lottery. There's a there's a shot. I'm saying there's a chance for Oklahoma City. We'll talk about that and more coming up a little bit later. By the way, the Dylan Gabriel clip, 
uh, was our Ortho Central clip of the day. Ortho Central Clinics in Norman and Midwest City. They've had those for a long time now. They do great work. Now they have that Tri-City location, Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. These full-service clinics do a great job treating orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. Just getting warmed up here on a Tuesday afternoon. Maybe we can play the uh, Moody Blues coming back. Tuesday afternoon. You could get, you might get a show today. Who knows? Hey, you know what? Somebody on the text line actually did say, Steely feeling energetic. Maybe we can get another concert. You never know. You never, ever know. Let us know on the text line what you want to hear Steely <laughs> sing no. next. No, 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 no. Probably not. All right, we're coming right back. We'll get to your texts next right here on The Ref. All right, we are back. Good to have you with us on this Tuesday edition of Steelman and Thune at noon here in the Buffalo Wild Wings studios. OU baseball, no game tonight, canceled the game with UTA. So the Sooners will be in action, of course, coming up uh, against the Cowboys for Bedlam, hosting Bedlam Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Thursday, 630, Friday, 630, Saturday at 4 o'clock at Mitchell Park. Uh, the Sooners, again, uh, be nice if they could win two or three from the Cowboys. They'd be in really good shape, I think, heading down to Arlington for the Big 12 tournament. If they sweep, I think they're in. If they win a one of three, you know what? And uh, They have some work to get done in Arlington. But uh, Oklahoma State, obviously, very good squad. It'll be an interesting Bedlam series in Norman. All three games, obviously, at Mitchell Park. Haven't seen that in a long time. Uh, Sooner women will play Hofstra 4 o'clock coming up on Friday. The game will be on ESPNU against Hofstra. The Hofstra Pride. That's right. Not the Hofstra Flying Dutch Women. No, no, not the Dutch Women. Uh, If the Sooners win their regional, they would play the winner of the Clemson Regional and uh, be hosting that uh, team. Could be Clemson in a Super Regional, obviously, in Norman, Oklahoma, 51-1. Winners of 43 straight, and if they, uh, you know, win their next four, they have tied the longest streak in uh, women's softball history. They win their next five. They obviously break the record. That is your Sooner Weekly Update, brought to you by Wade Electric, your trusted electrical experts for your home or business. You can contact them at 405-329-1940, 405-329-1940 for Wade Electric. All right, let's go to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Tyler from Kellyville says, I want Steely to sing I Believe in a Thing Called Love. Uh, Steel Man needs to sing ELO, Don't Bring Me Down. He'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer if he does. I like that song, but I don't think I'll be singing today. Maybe in the near future. Simple Man, Leonard Skinner featuring Mike Steely. Another great song. Love that song. Uh, he needs to sing Break Stuff by Limp Biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be Fred Durst, though. Fred yeah. Durst. That's a name I haven't heard in a He's minute. kind of a one of those bags. Oh, I mean. Bumpy Road says, listening live from the real home of Carrie Underwood, Onapa, Oklahoma. Is that how you pronounce it, Onapa? I don't know. That's how it looks to me. Onapa, Onapa? I don't know. Bumpy Roads, let us know. Is Spell that it the out. real home of Carrie Underwood? We have controversy. I thought it was Shakota, right? I thought it was Shakota as well. Hmm. Maybe but you apparently, call... Bumpy Roads is alleging it's Onapa. Bumpy or however you say Roads, take me home to the place I belong. Man, you're in a singing mood today. Oh, Napa, Oklahoma. Let us know, Bumpy Roads. We need to get Carrie Underwood on this program to confirm it. 
That's bucket list material right the there, closest, interviewing Carrie Underwood. The closest thing I had to Carrie Underwood on the air a long time ago, we had Shania Twain on the air. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Carrie Underwood's got to be the most famous alumnus of Northeastern State University. Probably, yeah. I would think so. Anybody else in the running you can think of? Jesse Crittenden. Carrie it's got to be Cher- Carrie Underwood and Jesse, Jesse Crittenden. Crittenden. That's, there you go. That's pretty close. I'd give the edge to Underwood. But, yeah, we had Shania Twain on because we had way back in the day, way, 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 way back in the day, we had, uh, during the NCAA tournament, a 64-bracketed uh, babe tournaments for the best-looking women. Oh, no. <laughs> and something you couldn't do. And Shania Twain won, and she came on the air. Wow. Somebody would cancel that in 2023. Oh, yeah. You could not do I that I remember these days. a friend of mine was at the uh, old Bricktown Brewery. Now, this would have been like 1995 or so, a long time ago. He said, man, I heard somebody really getting angry at you at the Bricktown Brewery. Some lady, somehow your name came up, and I was at the bar, and I heard her say, Mike Steely, is that that pig who does that babe tournament? <laughs> so back in the day, I was a pig. Well, now you're a regional radio that's star. That's exactly that's right. That's called character that's, development right that's there. That's exactly right. CD so. from Hockley says it's pronounced Onapaw. Onapaw. Okay. Onapaw. Thank you. Wait, but Bumpy Roads says eight miles south of Dakota, that's the correct pronunciation. So Bumpy Roads said Onapa was correct. So okay, now not only do we have controversy over Carrie Underwood's hometown, we have controversy over the pronunciation of Carrie Underwood's alleged hometown. Where is Chicota? I don't even know where Chicota is. That's out by Lake Eufaula. Lake Eufaula is over in the... Um... Come on now, Steely. It's on the way to, to Dallas, right? No. It's on the way to... Where is it? Steely. Early all-set Alzheimer's, ladies and gentlemen. Early all-set Alzheimer's. Onset, there you go. Onset, not all-set. <laughs> Ready, all-set. Yeah, the prophecy has been fulfilled. But no, so basically, if you just drive out east on 40, you hit Lake Eufaula, and eventually you hit Shakota. Oh, I'm thinking of Lake Murray, I think. Yes, that you are thinking of Lake Murray. Lake I got Murray my lakes is on the way of da- mixed in, up. On the way to Dallas, yes. And, you know, we had that big dispute on the Air Comfort or on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Mm-hmm. I suppose it was the other text line at this point in time. This is probably the fall of 2021. It was in the early days, maybe spring of 22. But there was this big controversy on the text line as to whether or not there are alligators at Lake Eufaula. Because I got a buddy, and his family has a lake house out there. And he told me, this was probably four or five years ago, he told me that periodically they'll see a gator. Really? Now, he could have been messing with me. I Hmm. honestly don't know. But I know for a fact there are gators in McCurtain County. Some weird stuff yeah, in yeah. McCurtain County. Yeah. Again, McCurtain County is like, that's the twilight zone of the state of Oklahoma. I can hear Rod Serling right now. I can hear him. All right, ladies and gentlemen, 405-651-3439 on the uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. It's Eileen Twain. Shania was made up. Yeah, that's what I hear. <laughs> Brian and Tulsa Canadian. says... Onapaw sounds like a gang ran by a Doberman kingpin. 
from the 918. Such a random topic, but my child's teacher is Carrie Underwood's sister. There you go, wow. 918. Very what do you nice. think it's like to be the sibling of someone that famous? I don't know. How many uh, relatives you think are trying to ask her for money, right? You know, somehow, some way. That's going to be a problem, right? It has to be. Yeah. Kenny from the 405 says there are gators in Texoma. Oh, no. Uh, Shark says there are children in McCurtain County whose parents are brothers and sisters. Well. I can hear the theme from Deliverance. There's a stereotype. And as an outsider to the state of Oklahoma, I know that there is a stereotype. In my experience, it hasn't been accurate. But that's kind of the essence of the stereotype. There are gators in Lake Texoma for sure, and my name is Diesel, by the way. Diesel. Diesel. There we go. Wow. You want to rename him Diesel on the – can we do that? Yeah, you know I will. All right. Uh, Chicota is east of Henrietta on I-40, says a listener in the You know what's yes, really Henrietta. sad for what's me that? is I've lived in Oklahoma all of about of my nearly 60 years, probably 50, 54, 55 years. And I still don't know where a lot of these hometowns are. So that's kind of sad. You know what it means? I'm a man of the indoors. I don't get out much. That's wild. See, I, t- I, I remember coming to Oklahoma for the first time. Now, you know them all because you follow all these recruits everywhere. Well, and, you know, a I've lot ended up doing a lot of driving over the years. But I remember when I first got to Oklahoma, and the o- only geography I'm really familiar with is Nebraska geography. Mm-hmm. And I get to Oklahoma, and I'm like, I'm never going to learn and remember where these places are. And now it's just kind of second nature. See, I know where, like, uh, Tulsa is. I know where Lawton is. I know where Ada is. I know where a lot of towns are. But some of these I have no idea. I know how to get to the Blue Whale of Catoosa, which is a great party spot, by the way. Uh, <laughs> from the 405, there are allegedly 11 wild turkeys that roam the streets of the small town Crescent, Oklahoma. However, the sightings have been by people that are drinking wild turkey. <laughs> um <laughs> Oh, there was another. There was another text I wanted to read. I've seen oh, yeah, whales Mitch- in Lake Keystone. Are you talking about the people waiting in the water, or what? The real <laughs> whales. Mitchell from Henrietta checks in and says, "Absolutely no gators on Eufaula Lake." Well, there you go. Definitive word from Can Mitchell we call, and Henrietta. We should call he's, the Oklahoma Wildlife Department. Now he's got to be listening on the app because I tell you, I've driven out through Henrietta before. It's usually the route I take when I go up to Tulsa which is a trip I'll be making again next week, and that is where the signal cuts off. You cannot get KREF via the radio, at least not clearly, in Henrietta. There you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's uh, – Merle Haggard's parents moved from Shakota during the Depression. Really, they moved out to California because Merv ended up being uh, – Merle ended up being part of the Bakersville sound, right? Merle Haggard. Great artist, Merle Haggard, by the way. All right, we'll break right here, 405-651-3439, the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet tax line. Ladies and gentlemen, always available for you. You guys do a great job. Eli Letterman coming up. The official greeting music for one, Eli Letterman, joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline, doing a great job covering the suitors for the Tulsa world. Eli, we appreciate your time. 
We were talking about this yesterday. Uh, OU softball is in a position now where it's almost national championship or it's a disappointing season, which is really crazy. You know, if you get to the College World Series, that, that should be a victory. But because OU is so good, it almost is uh, exactly like that. Uh, you know, I know all those girls will be super disappointed if they don't win the whole thing. They expect to. But, um, man, what do you think? Women's college softball, you run into a hot pitcher, maybe you have an off day. All of a sudden, what I'm basically asking is, do you think there is actually anybody out there that could beat the Sooners twice or that Oklahoma could lose two games and not get this done? Well, you, you talk about, like, failure or disappointment. You, you get into that range, right, of, like, the Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, press conference. And I think his nuanced take is right almost 99% of the time. But when you look at this Oklahoma softball team that has won 43 straight games, two straight national titles, uh, this might be, and for all the, the buzz the last few years around those Jocelyn Allo teams, this might be Caddy's best and, and I'll say the term unbeatable team to this point. And so as, as you look now into the postseason field for a team that hasn't lost since mid-February, you do wonder, is there anyone who could beat them? And I, I'd say I, I couldn't look out at the landscape right now and pick a team and say, this is the one that's built to beat them because they basically played every kind of team they could and have had no trouble. But um, to, to the other point of that, this time of year is when things get interesting, and, and particularly when, you know, if we get down to back to OKC uh, for, the, for the College World Series, crazy things happen there. We've seen OU push there before. But I, I would say this feels like the way they're built with the pitching staff they had with a lineup, that is predicated a little less on the home run, but is producing just as much. This and and shoot fielding better than anybody in the nation. This feels perhaps like Patty Gasso's most unbeatable team, and it's felt that way to this point. Uh, but like you say, there's no promise for what lies ahead. Now, Eli, we spent the last segment, and this is completely off topic, but we spent the last segment talking about small towns in Oklahoma with bizarre names slash pronunciations, and you, like me or an Oklahoma outsider. For me, when I got to Oklahoma, the two small-town Oklahoma names slash pronunciations that always threw me for a loop were Miami, and gosh, I can I can remember my brain just being thoroughly scrambled the first time I heard somebody say Chickasha. So for you coming to the state of Oklahoma, has, have you had any of those moments with any particular locales? You know what? Those are the two. I can think back. To when I came, the first time I worked at the Tulsa World, I was an intern in the summer of 2019, and I drove all the way from New York with my dad. It was a great road trip, and we noticed that there was a Miami, Oklahoma, and we thought, that's fascinating. It took me a while to learn that it was Miami, and then Chickasha is the one that has thrown me. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, because all these names um, can, can be difficult. I, I would say, you know, in New York, we've similar to Oklahoma, there's that strong... Uh, all going all the way back, Native American presence. So we have a lot of those names uh, of our cities and towns and things like that. So I guess I'm used to it, but there are some like Miami and like Chickasha that absolutely threw me when I first got here. I think that Brent Musburger on a broadcast a long time ago, <laughs> it may have been Stephen Alexander when he called it Chickasha back in the day. My theory on Miami is that it's just a lack of enunciation. That way back in the day, it's kind of like you'll hear some Oklahomans or some people that will call Colorado, Colorado, or Missouri. And I think it probably should have been Miami, 
but you had a bunch of people that, who didn't enunciate over the years, and it became Miami. That's what I think happened there. That's just my explanation. You residents of Miami, let me know. All right. Uh, we were talking about Sooner football six and seven a year ago, and uh, we played a clip from Dylan Gabriel who said, you know, the team did a really good job of hanging together, and the morale, you know, it was tough, but it, the morale never sunk too low and that they're still, you know, fired up for this coming season. Um, what do you think? You've been around the program how much uh, – it's, it's hard to put a number on how much belief and actual confidence there, there is over there because you just can't do it. But how much do you think that, uh, that locker room and those guys uh, are still bought in with Brent and his plan, in your opinion? I mean, if you, you hung around this spring, you, you felt that, that year two buy-in of, you know, the guys who are still around or, or, or the guys who are here. And, that you know, one year just makes all the difference in terms of – being settled relative to where they were a year ago, just in that early practice uh, of the Brent Venables era after Lincoln Riley's departure and all that. But, you know, I do think for all the storylines we covered in the spring, and I think this is one that maybe can't be answered even in those walls uh, until we get to August and into the season, but it's who, are, who are the leaders on this team? Because you think about who they lost. I, I know on offense, Eric Gray, Braden Willis, and Marvin Mims were all these uh, were all leaders on that offense and on that team. Uh, and, and now they've, they've still got Dylan Gabriel, but I think they're going to be looking for new leaders there. And same can be said for the defense. And so I do think that that's a, I say a question. They might know the answer inside the walls and in that locker room within that program right now. But I asked, you know, Brent Venables this, I think in his final availability before the spring game was who are your leaders before you, you know, let this group loose for the summer. They're going to work together, but you know, there's limitations on what they can do. Uh, and he, he, you know, didn't give us any names, said he was very confident in it. But I, I do think, you know, it's a group that relatively has not been tested yet. They won't be tested until the season starts. Um, but I, I think figuring out who their leaders are on a team that lost so many from a year ago is maybe one of the most interesting, compelling storylines. And, and maybe, depending on, you know, the course of the season, we'll be talking in November and saying, well, these are those guys or those guys never emerged. And, and that could be one of the bigger storylines in, in year two with Brent Venables that we haven't maybe hit on the same way we have uh, the defense and the cheetah position and who's going to catch passes. Eli, the Sooners took a big swing and missed last week at Colorado transfer receiver Jordan Tyson after bringing in Brennan Thompson to help buttress their existing depth at that position heading into the summer. So as we look ahead to fall camp, and evaluate this roster top to bottom and look specifically at the wide receiver core and much has been made of the fact that it doesn't doesn't really seem, at least right now, as though Oklahoma has a true alpha dog at that position. How much of a concern is that to you now that Oklahoma didn't get Jordan Tyson? You think that affects the bottom line offensively for Oklahoma much, if at all? Well, I, I think I was curious after they added Brennan Thompson and that, that was pretty clear that was going to happen. It happened right after the spring game. My question then was, did they feel like they had enough at wide receiver? Because, again, um, the, the talent is there, and, and we know that Brennan Thompson was a big-time recruit, but the fact is he caught one pass for 32 yards last fall at Texas. So he joins a group of guys with loads of potential who have not yet produced at the college level at, at a high volume. And so I was interested to see if OU would go back in the portal. And the fact that they had Jordan Tyson on campus and, and seemed like pursued him pretty heavily would tell you they feel they do still need to add and, and there are guys out there in the portal I don't know uh, how attractive OU situation is not not for any reason other than you know it's a packed room and surely if you're you know Zachary Franklin or Keon Coleman or any of these big guys in the portal you've got lots of options 
Uh, and so I'll, I'll be curious if they, they look to add there further because I, I, I like you, kind of think this is a position they don't currently have an alpha. And, you know, I, I think they feel like Jaleel Farouk can be a 1,000-yard receiver. We know Jeff Levy wants that guy. He doesn't feel like this is going to be a by-committee thing. He wants a, a number one. And so maybe that'll be Jaleel Farouk. But I, I think the lack of proven pass-catching talent at the college level that's in that room right now would, would be one of those points of concern uh, either until we see it in the fall and we see who emerges or until they add uh, a name in the portal that, you know, ha- there's a proven track record and, and stats over a few years to show that they can be uh, productive pass-catching talent. Eli, good stuff. We appreciate it. We will uh, talk again soon. Thank you. Pleasure, guys. Thank you. Eli Letterman joining us, Tulsa World. All right, Riverwind Casino, over 2,800 electronic games, all the best electronic games. They have all your favorite table games as well, including a world-class poker room, best games, Best bars and dining, obviously, with uh, Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant, a tremendous food court, and the River Buffet. They have a big-time hotel, all the best service, great promotions, including the new Member 7. You can earn up to $450 in one day by getting yourself a new Riverwind wild card. If you don't have one, go sign up for one. won't cost you anything. You'll be eligible in all these promotions. You can hear your name called, win some cash, or bonus play, or some giveaways. It's all happening at Riverwind Casino. We've got shows coming back to the show place theater starting in june on june 23rd with earth wind and fire still to come of course later all these dates are booked collective soul josh turner the comedian gabriel iglesias dwight yoakam counting crows reo speedwagon chicago foreigner on their greatest hits tour rodney carrington and aaron lewis get online check out the show place theater schedule all of these uh, shows, tickets are available right now at Riverwind.com or at the box office. And we start Beats and Bites, the great outdoor concert series, uh, beginning May 27th with 38 Special and Blue Oyster Cult. Soon to come uh, in June, Gin Blossoms and Tonic. In July, Mark Chestnut, Shannon Doa, and Tracy Bird all together. On July 8th and August 26th, Gary Allen on the Beats and Bites stage. You can get all those tickets for only 10 bucks at Riverwind.com or at the casino box office. Break time right here. Our thanks to Riverwind for also sponsoring our text line as well, our call-in line, rather, as well, 405-329-9000. All right, let's come back. LeBron James talking about what Austin Reeves means to the Lakers next. Ah, yes, great song, Nobody's Fault But Mine by Zeppelin. Really good. Greatest rock and roll band of all time. In my opinion, you started off, you started off with the Brit accent heavy, and then you went time, the greatest rock and roll band of all time. Yeah, I can't finish. Sorry, not a closer. All right, four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. But first, let's hear from LeBron James. I should have told you to pull the clip. You probably heard me reference it. But uh, the Lakers in action tonight, game one of the Western Conference Finals in the Mile High City, the L.A. Lakers and the Denver Nuggets, 7.30 on ESPN, to be preceded by, at 7 p.m., the NBA Draft Lottery. The Thunder with an 8% chance to get in the top four. We'll talk to Brandon Rabar about that coming up at 1.35. Uh, Thunder again, uh, who knows, 8%. It's better than no percent, right? So we'll talk to Brandon about that. Oklahoma City currently sitting at 12. We'll see if that changes tonight in the NBA draft lottery. Austin Reeves has been unbelievable. His development in the NBA 
I mean, I it, I kind of thought, yeah, Austin Reeves, maybe he'll maybe he'll hang around, get a cup of coffee in the league. But Austin Reeves has been much better than that. Now in the Lakers starting lineup, he's made big shots for LA. He has uh, been a well-rounded player who's not only making shots and uh, you know assisting on others, he's also got steals. He's doing a little bit of everything. He's filling out that box score, Austin Reeves. This is what LeBron said the other day, that he's not surprised really at what Austin Reeves has done. I mean, if you, you put it on a perspective about AR start of his career, he, when he was drafted, he wasn't, I don't think he was drafted to be in the position that he was in, thrown into. Yeah, I mean, he was uh, undrafted. He's an undrafted guy. I mean, so, you know, he had to earn his stripes, and, you know, he didn't think that he was going to be thrown into the rotation when he was thrown into the rotation and not only thrown into the rotation, then became a huge part of our rotation and then became someone that we just we trusted, you know. So um, he's handled like a true professional, and um, he's, he's only going to continue to get better and better, not only um, physically but, but also, more importantly, mentally. Let me ask you, when was the last time we saw a Sooner in any sport have this type of unexpected professional success? I don't know. I was going to ask you a question, and then I thought, no, I, I think we know the answer to that question because I was going to ask you what's more surprising, Jalen Hurts becoming one of the top NFL quarterbacks or Austin Reeves starting for the Lakers? No, it's Jalen Hurts. But You think it's Jalen Hurts? I think it's Jalen Hurts. But. Um, but it's crazy because Jalen Hurts was a renowned college football player from his yeah. freshman year at Alabama and didn't win a Heisman but won a couple won a national championship at Alabama had a great year at Oklahoma went to the uh, New York City ceremony at the Downtown Athletic Club didn't win the Heisman but you know he's become Jalen Hurts is one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the NFL. Certainly. No doubt. But even Jalen Hurts was a guy that was drafted in the second round. So right. So you look at the success that he's had, yes, it's impressive. But with you're, saying, a, you're saying Austin Reeves is the bigger story then? Well, not necessarily. I think what I'm trying to ask is that if there was, if there was a guy – because he I – mean, most guys that enter the NBA as undrafted players have to work their way through the G League, have to be journeymen for years, and then they end up on the back end of a bench somewhere playing six, eight minutes a game. Austin Reeves is a key rotational cog for a team that's made a deep playoff run. And so what I'm asking is, when was the last time we had a Sooner in any sport experience this type of success in a setting where it was completely unexpected. Because if Austin Reeves would have ended up on an NBA roster, you know, we all would have given him cursory applause. No, great job. Great great for you making a living for yourself. But nobody imagined Austin Reeves would be doing what he's doing right now. Starting for the Lakers. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a good question. I think the text line can uh, answer that, help us answer that question, because they're really, really uh, good at these. But I do think that, you know, that story is pretty remarkable. And he was a good college basketball player at Oklahoma, but I did not see him having this level of success in the NBA with the Lakers and LeBron basically saying, yeah, we, we love the guy, you know. <laughs> we love what he brings, and he brings a lot, man. He brings a lot. 
And uh, I love his post-game interviews, you know, when uh, those guys are coming up and, you know, dumping water on him or whatever. He's He's been great. All right. Uh, Marietta Suter says Lane Johnson, pro bowler. Tony Jefferson, a couple uh, interesting answers there. Oh. Joe Bowden was an okay linebacker at OU but had a lengthy career in the NFL. Buzzy Bolton making an NFL team and thriving. Mm-hmm. That's a good one, I would say. Uh, James Winchester, there you go. Man, be a deep snapper. That be a deep snapper. How much do you think James Winchester makes per year? It's got to be over a million dollars. You think it's think. over a million now since he's been with the Chiefs forever? Yeah, I but would say so. It's a, not much more than a million, I would figure, but but still, I mean, that's I think a copious most, hand up if you take that and be a deep snapper for the <laughs> Chiefs. Everybody, keep your hands on the steering wheel, please. But, yeah, that's that's a good one as well. All right, but Austin Reeves and the Lakers tonight, 7.30 at Denver. Game one of the Eastern Conference Championship Series tomorrow night. Uh, the Heat at the Celtics. By the way, the uh, Lakers-Denver matchup on ESPN. And, again, it's 7 o'clock tonight. It's the NBA Draft Lottery. Thunder with an 8% chance to get in the top four. Maybe a Victor relap. Doubtful, but who knows. The uh, Heat Celtics will be on TNT tomorrow night. Coming right back. Keep it right here. I ah, yes, let's jump in to hour number two here on The Ref. Mike Steely along with Parker Thune. Good to have you along today. We appreciate it. Tuesday afternoon. Still a little overcast out there today. Last I saw it was. Let's see. The high today, I think, was going to be about 77. I like that. 68 degrees right now, mostly cloudy here in Norman, America. Good to have you along. 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. 1235, or I'm sorry, 135. 135. Brandon Rabar will join us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Thunder and what the draft lottery means tonight for Oklahoma City. That'll be coming up here in a little bit. Again, 135 on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. All right. uh, What do you think about this magnificent seven in the ACC? Talking about uh, they're getting together. They don't like the fact that they're tied down to the ACC to 2036. With the grant of rights there. We're talking about Clemson, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, NC State, Virginia, and Virginia Tech. Did we ever think like Clemson and Florida State were going to be in the uh, ACC long term? Didn't you figure like eventually they would find their way to the SEC? I, If there were two programs that would, if there were two programs the SEC would expand even further for, I think most would have favored Florida State and Clemson because, um, well, maybe Miami, too. You throw them yeah. in. But when you talk about the real powerhouse brands in college football down in that neck of the woods, the ones that aren't in the SEC down in that territory are Florida State, Clemson, Miami. Do you think the SEC is done expanding for now? <sighs> yes, I would say so. Now... I don't think they're closed off to the idea of adding a few more teams down the road, but 
feels like one thing at a time right now for mm-hmm. the SEC, and the thing right now is adding Oklahoma and Texas and figuring out structure with 16 teams. The more teams you add, the more convoluted structure becomes. And so I think what's apparent is that the SEC is planning short-term to make arrangements for 16 teams. And if they were to broker a deal with Florida State and Clemson or say you threw in Miami and somebody else, a North Carolina State or a Virginia Tech to get you to 20 teams. You want the Tar Heels over those, though, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you want North Carolina, you think? I would say for the sake of basketball, probably so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, look, uh, going to the 12-team playoff, clearly Clemson is going to be able to get there if they – you know, play solid football, Florida, whoever, the ACC champion, and maybe you get another one in for the ACC, uh, you can still get there. This is not necessarily about getting to the playoff. That's still going to happen out of the SEC. Now, again, you're not going to get as many as you would from the SEC or the Big Ten, but this is about money. Clearly, it's always been about money. And uh, they're looking at this deal and going, man, dude, like we signed the worst lease of all time. We're here to 2036. It is not a favorable situation for them. But I think they will find their way out. I don't know how quickly it will happen. You know, what will the Big Ten do? What will that, you know, would the Big 12 be a possibility? I don't know. I've always thought when this all started happening, because you're talking about, all right, these, the best schools in college football particularly are going to find their home in a super conference. You know, I, I, I agree with that 918 on Miami. I, I wouldn't see that it, just because of, yeah. And we'll get to that text that he sent in here in a minute. But I always felt like, you know, eventually Clemson and Florida State, I'm That's specifically true. thinking of those two, that they will get to the SEC. It's only a matter of time. That's a great point for that listener, the 918. I, I forget that Miami is actually a private school. Yeah, you do forget that. Yeah, you're right. And – uh, no private schools will be added to the SEC unless it's Notre Dame. And Notre Dame kind of lives its own in its own world to a certain extent. But, of course, Notre Dame is tied to the S- ACC uh, and other sports. And um, But I would be, yeah, maybe a little bit surprised, yes, with the Miami situation. So, Underrated professional careers from Sooners. The conversation continues on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. A lot of people have said Blake Bell. And I think that's a really good answer. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the answer I would go with. The question for those just tuning in was, Austin Reeves is having the most unexpected professional success of any sooner since who? Yeah. And, and, the, and the thing on Austin Reeves, again, is he is he started from, we're wondering, can this guy make it on the Lakers roster? Not only did he make it on the roster, particularly after the, the deal. By the way, the Lakers have been the best team in the NBA since the trade deadline. I still think Denver's going to win this series, but they have been record-wise. And Austin Reeves hasn't been in the starting lineup for a while, and not just in there. He's been contributing big time. So you're talking about a guy who's starting in, you know, a pretty darn good lineup when you talk about two future first ballot Hall of Famers in uh, LeBron and AD. It's pretty remarkable. I'll be the first to acknowledge I I would not have expected Blake Bell to still be playing NFL football at this point in time. Mm -hmm. So props to him for the career that he has carved out. Douglas Miles on the text line says, Jason Belzer went from eighth-round draft pick in 92 to an 11-year NFL career at a time when there were not a lot of Sooners in the NFL. 
There isn't even an eighth round in the draft anymore. I'm trying to remember uh, Douglas was Belzer. Most of that career was with the Indianapolis Colts, wasn't yes. it? It was with the Colts Back for in the, the most day. part. So. I believe he played for the Chiefs briefly as well. Yeah, good, solid player. And, you know, when you think about the uh, Anthony Kim, yeah, Anthony Kim from the University of Oklahoma to, you know, never won a major championship but won some big golf tournaments. And if it weren't for the injuries to Anthony Kim, you know, he might have gone on to win majors, was big in a Ryder Cup victory. Um, You know, and again, I, I think because of his injury, you know, he voids that insurance policy, which pays him, couple million bucks a year if he gets out and plays and risks that so ak was always flashy too with the uh the belt buckle and everything out there on the course <laughs> he wasn't afraid of anybody no doubt from the 918 let's not forget las vegas locomotives legend teddy layman <laughs> uh my favorite little factoid about teddy is that he played in the actual last game at rosenblatt stadium really yes it was a ufl championship game between, I want to say, the Las Vegas Locomotives and the Florida Tuskers, if my memory serves me correctly. The UFL championship game, which would have been in the fall of 2010, maybe? Mm -hmm. Fall of 2010? Gosh, that seems like forever ago. That's crazy. I had no idea that Teddy played in the UFL. Until I saw them, I'm like, what? I mean, Teddy, if you talk about where he went from Ford Gibson to where he ended up in the NFL and a Butkus Award winner, it's pretty impressive. But we're talking about in, you know, somebody who you didn't expect. Uh, from the 918, Jalen Hurts' success really surprised me, too. Yeah, we talked about that in the last segment. That's really who we compare to Austin Reeves' uh, journey to. Jalen Hurts, much better known college athlete. Everybody knew Jalen Hurts. Not many people outside of really hardcore basketball fans knew Austin Reeves at OU. But what Austin Reeves has done has been absolutely remarkable. Jalen Hurts, I know this. That dude, whatever goal he sets, he's going to get to. Because he's going to put the work in. I thought it was really cool to see him walking with the graduates, getting his master's from OU. So that makes him more of a Sooner than being from Alabama, doesn't it? Now I think the Sooners can claim 70%. 70-30 split? Yeah. Okay. Longer career at Bama, but clearly Jalen Hurts wants to go down as a Sooner. By the way, I nailed this. November 27th, 2010, Teddy and the Locomotives won the UFL championship at Rosenblatt Stadium over... The Florida Tuskers. Man, I pulled that one out of the archives. Who would you rather see in concert, Ted Roof in the three-man front or Teddy and the Locomotives? Mm. Teddy see, and the Teddy and the Locomotives. They would be hardcore rock. Yeah, I they're think. playing some heavier oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, it's a headbanger's ball is what it's going to be. Mm. You know, it's Depends more on what mood I'm in, honestly. Smooth jazz is you Ted know, Roof in the three-man front. Yeah, exactly. Smooth jazz and baritones. That's Ted Roof in the three-man front. I mean, that music can go anywhere. They they could be in the wrong gap and still just improvise with Ted Roof in the three-man front. You don't know where direction they're going. Kind of like the defense last year. Teddy and the Locomotives, that's some thrash metal oh, stuff right no there. No doubt about it, man. There's going to be some crowd surfing and everything at Teddy and the Locomotives. Okay, Jimmy Wilkerson, Kansas City was a surprise. I remember when Jimmy Wilkerson left early, people were like, really? And he ended up playing a long time. Yeah, absolutely. 
Trey Norwood has surprised me, says a listener in the 405. That's a good call. I, d- I didn't think Trey Norwood was going to get drafted. I did not. Yeah. That dude bet on himself, and he won. Yeah, that's kind of like the Jimmy He's Wilkerson made it work. deal a little bit. Jimmy Wilkerson, I think, was more a family situation. But, yeah, when Trey Norwood, like, yeah, we're thinking, yeah, okay, good luck, dude. And he becomes a really uh, big contributor for the Steelers. By the way, uh, real quick on the Miami-Miami debates, we pronounce it however Stephen Tinker Owens want it pronounced. Well, that's a good call. That's where they're from. Somebody said uh, the tribe pronounces it Miami. So that's why it's pronounced Miami, which makes sense. But, you know, you think it maybe it could have been some uh, Oklahoma lack of enunciation name the, as well. Name the mascot. The Miami High School what? What's the mascot? That's a, Ma- Mustangs. No. Miami. The War Dogs. The War Dogs, the really? The only War Dogs in America. I the did Miami not War know Dogs. that. I had a fraternity brother from there. I should have known. Dave Mustaine, not the former guy of uh, Metallica and Megadeth, but I should have known that. Should have known. All right, uh, we'll break right here, ladies and gentlemen. Good to have you with us on this Tuesday afternoon. We do have Brandon Rabar talking about the Thunder and the draft lottery tonight, which will be on ESPN at 7 p.m., 30 minutes before tip between the Lakers and the Nuggets in the Mile High City. Saw one of the Lakers fans said, I feel extremely confident now that Steely picked Denver. I just think the Nuggets are continually underrated. I know they haven't done it in the postseason yet, but I still think they are going to get it done against the Lakers. I will be rooting for the Lakers because of Austin Reeves, though. All right? Stay with us. Coming right back. All right, we're talking about the one, the only, Patty Gasso looking to win another natty. Make it three straight. Seven overall. They get it done. Sooner softball team, 51-1. and one. They have won 43 games in a row. They will host Hofstra in the first, ground, first game of the Norman Regional Friday at 4 o'clock. It'll be on ESPNU. Missouri and Cal will follow 30 minutes after the conclusion of that first game. Sooner women, overwhelming favorites to win yet another national championship. Patty Gasso was asked uh, recently, what separates this team from some of her other championship teams? I just think they're really strong top to bottom. And the fact that I have people on the bench that are waiting to come in that can do the same thing. So the biggest challenge for me is trying to keep all these players happy because they're that good. So the balance is probably beyond anything I've ever had. From the pitching staff, where we've got four aces, and they all look different, and they all can, you know, be very effective. We have the ability with our depth to create matchups. So if a lefty-lefty matchup doesn't work, we've got righties that can step in and get it done. If there's certain hitters that are not so good with certain type of pitches. We have another hitter who can play that position and get it done. There you go. Yeah, uh, there really isn't a weakness on this softball team. They are so balanced. And, again, they've had great pitchers in the staff. They've had good staffs as well. 
what G. Juarez did, you know, a few years back was amazing. And again, when she had struggled a little bit, came back and was just dynamite in the Women's College World Series. But when you consider Nicole May, Alex Duraco, clearly Jordy Ball, and uh, Kirsten Deal, I mean, there's just no letting up there. And again, they aren't as prolific a home run hitting team. They can still hit the deep ball, clearly, but no, no team that loses Jocelyn Allo is probably going to, you know, have more home runs the next season. But they still score plenty of runs. They're tremendous on defense. They've got experience. They've been there, done that. They expect to win. They don't panic when they fall behind. They almost look unbeatable. And uh, they will start their path to the uh, College World Series out of the uh, Norman Regional again as the number one overall seed. And they will start with Hofstra, 4 o'clock, Friday, and that game will be on ESPNU. By the way, update, ladies and gentlemen, on the Norman Golf Regional. They are about to complete round number two, and you have a uh, Alabama leading the way at 16 under par. Colorado and the Sooners are tied for second, three shots back. Colorado, nine under on the day. Oklahoma, four under par on the day. Texas Tech, the top seed in the region. Uh, one under on the day. They are 11 under par. Had the lead after round one. They are currently fourth. A tie for fifth between Duke and New- North Florida at uh, nine under par. The top five teams in the region advance to the next round of the NCAA championships. Right now, the Sooners, Ryan Hibble and company, three strokes back, playing uh, the last couple holes. We'll see how they finish out. Alabama with a three-shot lead over Colorado and the Sooners over at the Jimmy. Okay. 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. And that is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. From the 580, is there some sort of magic number of ACC schools re- required to just dissolve the conference? I don't know. Have you heard that? I haven't. And it, that wouldn't happen. The ACC powers that be would do what the Pac-12 is doing and scrounge together a ragtag crew of schools that are willing to make the jump to Power 5 competition just to save the conference. The Pac-12 is talking about adding rice, Steely. Not the food, the Mm -hmm. school. Rice. Yeah. Rice University. Yes, yes, the Owls from... uh as Al Eshbeck would call it, uh, Houston, Houston. With a while. Now, they won the College World Series. Gosh, this is going back, it must have been 2003. Been a while, Two yeah. decades ago. Other than that, other than that one year that they put together a magical run in the sport of baseball, Rice has never been a contender in anything. Still. Who is the greatest football player in Rice history? Tommy Kramer, who played for the Vikings back in the day, the quarterback. I'm probably leaving somebody else out. Oh, somebody, gosh. they're Googling it right now. They're Googling Didn't it up. Jarrett Dillard play at Rice? I'm going to go with Tommy Kramer, but I don't remember things that well. I'm going to Google All right, Rice players. University. I believe, I'm fairly certain, it's like a drag race every year between Rice and Tulsa for smallest total enrollment mm-hmm. of any FBS program. Rice's undergraduate enrollment, 4,240. Hmm. Okay. 4,240. Notable people. List of Rice University people. Okay, it's a pretty long list. So we're going to go alumni, and we'll look for athletes in particular. 
Lance Berkman played it right. Okay, baseball. So, uh, let me find Yeah, they, they, you can find some in baseball, there's no doubt. Lance Berkman, I can't remember any others, but they've had a good baseball program for a, a while. Not what they, they used to be, but not bad. Oh, sports, here we go. Baseball, David Ardsma, Lance Berkman. Uh, Jose Cruz Jr., Philip Umber, mm-hmm. owner of perhaps the most unexpected perfect game in baseball history, Anthony Rendon. Uh, basketball, let's see if you know any of these names. Uh, Morris Almond. Was Ricky Pierce? Ricky Pierce. <laughs> Unreal. Mike Wilkes. Okay, I don't remember Mike Wilkes. Well, he uh, he was a player. He was a player okay. in the sport of basketball. Play on play. Rice. Football. Here you go. Jarrett Dillard. I got that one. There you go. Okay. Good. There's one. All right. Uh, you said Tommy Kramer. Larry Izzo, who was the long snapper for the Patriots when they won their three Super Bowls in the early 2000s. Okay. Don Maynard. Don Maynard used to play for the uh, Jets, played on the 69 Super Bowl team. He looked more like, if you Google up a picture of Don Maynard, he looked more like a NASCAR driver. But uh, I did not know that Don Maynard went to Rice. Chris Boswell, current place kicker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. That's pretty much the whole list. Uh, Michael Downs, do you know that name? Remember that name? I don't. All pro safety for the Dallas Cowboys, allegedly. Oh, okay, yeah. Courtney Hall, King Hill, number one overall NFL draft pick in 1958. Okay. Dickie Mogul. Skier? No, he was a halfback. I mean, come on. How can you be a halfback? You should be a skiing champion. You're Dickie Mogul. So, yeah, there you go. That's that's the exhaustive list. So I'm going to go with uh, Tommy Kramer and Don Maynard. Google up Don Maynard. Douglas Miles lets us know, yes, it, it needs a vote of eight members to disband the ACC. So they need one more. They need one more to jump ship. Don he, Maynard passed last year. I didn't realize that. Rice uh, is very challenging academically. Yes, that's correct. Rice Aroni was a player. Yeah, the San Francisco treat. Pretty good. Did you ever have Rice Aroni? I wonder if Rice Aroni's probably no. still out there. Rice Aroni, the San Francisco treat. It was a rice dish that was flavor had certain flavors to it, and even a buffoon like me could make it. Pretty tasty too, Rice Aroni. Wonder if Rice Aroni's still around. I could go get some Rice Aroni. Right. I wonder if it's the subject of a class action lawsuit. <laughs> um. <laughs> Somebody on the text line said, TU has the smallest enrollment of any D1 program. I think the smallest enrollment is TU, Rice, and then Wake Forest. And Wake Forest is another one of those schools that, yeah, they're there. They're Power Five, but dang, it's been a long time since they were nationally competitive at anything. They had a moment there with Sam Hartman as their quarterback. Uh, from the 918, isn't Teddy's nephew playing for Rice? Yes, Drayden Dickman. Signed to Rice University in the class of 2023. Really? All right. Well. Bert Emanuel went to Rice? I must have missed that one on the list. Really? Bert Emanuel. Huh. How come they didn't have him on the list? You forgot that Steely's uncle was a preferred walk-on at Rice last year. Yes, but 
That's exactly right. But they booted him off the team right before the opener with SC because they knew that he had bad intentions. He was going to go running down the ramp and go straight for Mule Shoe's knees uh, headfirst with a helmet on. So apparently they removed him right before they were running down the ramp at the Coliseum. That's a good recall. How can I forget my own uncle was a preferred walk-on at Rice? Kyle W. on the text line says, just ate Rice-A-Roni two days ago. Really? So you can still find it in the stores. All right. Well, that sounds good. That sounds really good. Okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, right now it's time to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk to Brandon Rabar. Can the Thunder pull off the impossible and get the victory and get Victor Wembanyama tonight. I think they have like a 1.2% chance, an 8% chance of getting in the top four, though. You never know. You never know. That would set off a celebration. We'll talk to uh, Brandon about where Oklahoma City could wind up. We'll do that next right here on The Ref. NBA Draft Lottery tonight, 7 o'clock on ESPN, 30 minutes prior to the uh, opening tip between the Lakers and uh, the Denver Nuggets, 7.30 on ESPN. But Draft Lottery beforehand, joining us, Thunder Insider Brandon Rabar on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Brandon, 1.7% chance the Thunder can get Victor Wembanyama. But there's a better chance that Oklahoma City might be able to get in the top four. Tell us about that and your thoughts again on uh, OKC's chances of moving up tonight. Yeah, you know, 8.1% chance of top four. I know everybody, for good reason, is focused on Victor Wimbledon and the 1.7% chance there. But it feels a lot better for some reason to think, hey, they could still get a top four pick, 81 just sounds a lot better than 1.7. Obviously, if OKC were to land Wimby, I mean, this team, the trajectory is already, you know, it's already on such a good path right now for this young Thunder team. If they were to land Wimbanyana, it would be just on a different tier. But any of those top four uh, would, would be absolutely outstanding for this Thunder team. Can we get you to commit to a Wembenyama back tattoo, Brandon, if Oklahoma City ends <laughs> yes. up with the first pick? I've, I've always said that, that uh, you know, it would take something really, really special for me to get a tattoo. I think this might be it. It wouldn't be able to be life size, though, because I would only put, like, be able to put, like, his his forearm on my back, uh, considering he's 7'4", but, but I'm into it, Parker. All right, uh, once again, we've got Brandon Rabar on with us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Uh, let's say Oklahoma City lands somehow in the top four, and they end up with, you know, uh, obviously if you get one, there's no doubt. But the other guys that you hear mentioned, obviously Scoot Henderson, the point guard, Brandon Miller, uh, you know, we saw him uh, in Alabama, had the off-the-court issue, of course, but uh, a 6'9 kid who can knock down threes, pretty athletic. Amen Thompson is another guy that uh, you hear his name quite a bit as well. Uh, what, what would you think about, again, uh, Oklahoma City and let's say the other names that you hear mentioned other than Wimanyama, you know, as top four guys? Yes, yeah, Scoot is 
is a guy that would be drafted number one overall in a lot of drafts is he, if he just didn't happen to be in the same draft as Wimbignana. And I know that he's a guard, and the Thunder have a lot of guards. All their best players right now besides Chet Holmgren are guards. But I tell you what, if they got the number two, Mike, you still take the guy. He's too talented. You can't pass up on the talent uh, then figure out the fit later. Uh, Brandon Miller would be great because, like you said, he would slide in perfectly as far as fit goes. Uh, the Thompson Twins are, are so athletic. Uh, there is a lot of talent in this draft. I will say this. If the Thunder don't get lottery luck tonight and they stay at number 12, this is a deep draft. And the, the drop-off is right about where the lottery ends. So the Thunder are in a good position no matter what. Look, they drafted Jalen Williams, who ended up runner-up and rookie of the year last year, at number 12, which is where they're most likely picking tonight unless they get lottery luck. Uh, so there's talent to be had all over, but obviously for sure, if you can get into that top four, you know, it's, it's kind of a different tier for a reason. What do you think Oklahoma city's priority should be as you look lower down this draft board, Brandon, because I, I lose track of which one is J dub and which one is J will, but they got the other Jalen Williams last year at pick number 34. So you start to look ahead, you look beyond what the, immediate you know top 10 picks look like in this draft what do you think Oklahoma City needs to do in terms of bolstering the overall security of their roster in the later stages of this draft yeah what's nice for OKC is they're they're finally at the point where you can start to look at you know need instead of overall talent I mean you still want the best overall talent but if there's a tiebreaker and you can take need that's a great position to be in because they've got a lot of talent already. And I think that need is, is probably size. Uh, they need, ideally, somebody at the four spot. Uh, Jada played that a lot last year, but he's 6'6". He got by with it because he's got a 7'2 wingspan, which is just crazy for his size. But if they can get a dude that's like 6'10", 6'11", to fit in next to Chet Holmgren and really beef up their size, the rebounding, their, their rim protection, I think that's – that's what they'll look at. Who's in trouble in terms of not being on the roster uh, next year? What do you think? Uh, I mean, maybe somebody like uh, Trey Mann, possibly. Uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. You know, I, I think that those guys will still be around. But, you know, there's a, there's a minutes crunch. And I already talked about, you know, the Thunder have a lot of really good guards. If they were to take another guard in this year's uh, draft, I mean, like, where do those Trey Man minutes go to? Jeremiah Robinson Earl, you know, Jay Will took more minutes than him last year. Ted Owens coming in. Uh, if they get another guy with size this year, like, where does his minutes go? So those are names, you know, it's kind of off the top of my head. Are you prepared for the Thunder to offer Chet Holmgren straight up for Austin Reeves, Brandon? <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I will say this. Well, obviously that's not going to happen. Austin Reeves is going to make a lot of money this offseason, and the Lakers are going to have to make a big big decision on whether yeah, to, to match, match that payment. And look, I mean, I will say this. Austin Reeves has, has far exceeded any expectations anybody had for him, and he would be, I think, a nice fit on the Thunder team. Uh, they could use his shooting. He's a ball handler. He's got good size for his position. Those are all things that Sam Presti values. I'll say that. Well, looking ahead to the offseason, Brandon, obviously the immediate focus is the draft, but 
in free agency, what do you feel like Oklahoma City needs to do? What do you want to see them do via free agency, if anything? Yeah, that's a big question for this offseason because the Thunder are going to have about $31 million in cap space. And, you know, so the question is, do they put out an offer sheet to a restricted free agent like an Austin Reeves or to a, a P.J. Washington, for instance, or, or do they take on another bad contract and take one more round of, of assets with that cap space? Do they go out and try to big, get a big star? I, I don't know. I, I think what they'll do is they'll go through this offseason, not really do much with that cap space, maybe take on a bad contract, and at next year's trade deadline, adding Chet and who knows what rookie, if this team is firmly in the playoffs, that's when maybe they can make a move and, and go get a star and use some of that cap space uh, to, to get a guy. I think they want to see what they have with Chet first, though. Where are you putting John Morant in the world idiot rankings this week? <laughs> Pretty high, man. I don't, I don't even know who I would uh... – I guess number one off the top of my head, it's it's pretty bad. You know, if you're a Grizzlies fan, this is this is bad. I mean, they're going to give him a, a big suspension. I, I don't I don't think it's going to be anything light. You know, because he he got off kind of easy last time, and and I think that that they'll kind of come down pretty hard as far as suspension goes uh, when the season starts. All right, Brandon, here's the deal. If the Thunder get in the top four tonight, after they get one, you know, number one, then you're you're on for the next uh, three weeks straight. <laughs> yeah. If absolutely. they get in the top four, you come on tomorrow. If they stay where they are, we'll talk to you uh, June 22nd, I believe, is NBA draft nights is the date. That's and right. we'll, we'll have you on, uh, you know, that week and obviously to preview the draft and, and talk about the draft. Always enjoy talking to you, my friend. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Mike. Appreciate it, Parker. Have a good one. Brandon Rabar, Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to see better than you ever have in your life, let me introduce you to the one and only Dr. Bellardo at Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. As I said the other day, Gordon Reese, if he had known Dr. Bellardo and that professional staff would have made the right call in the OU Oregon game, and the Sooners would have won. It's that simple. If you want to eliminate reading glasses, if you need those, uh, you know, if you're either farsighted or nearsighted, you need to get in touch with Dr. Bellardo at Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. I had my work done there years ago, a little touch-up as well. I've known him for years and years, totally trust him. Uh, go check out and see if you qualify for lens replacement or cataract surgery from the experts at Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. Dr. B and his team, they've been the leaders in Envision uh, correction for over, well, 20 years now. Been a long time. Call them up at 405-755-7700 for your free consultation from Dr. Bellardo or just go to alcok.com. Like they always say, if you want to see far and you want to see near, you have to come here to Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. All right, let's take a break. We've got one more award-winning, maybe not, segment to go before we get locked in at the top of the hour. Our thanks to Brandon Rabar. When we get back, all your texts on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Stay here. All right, headed down the home stretch here on a Tuesday edition of Steel Man and Thune on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Locked in coming up at 2 o'clock. 
Riverwind Casino is the best casino experience in the Oklahoma City metro area. Over 2,800 electronic games, best games, best bars and dining. Great hotel if you want to stay overnight, attached to the casino. Incredible service. They've got a bunch of great table games. All your favorite table games are there as well. Great poker room, big-time promotions. The uh, renovation is nearly done. We know that because we have shows coming back to the Showplace Theater. I've talked about all the groups that are coming. Earth, Wind & Fire, Collective Soul, Josh Turner, Dwight Yoakam, Counting Crows, REO, Chicago, Foreigner, Rodney Carrington, Aaron Lewis, Comedian, Gabriel Iglesias, all have shows upcoming now at the Showplace Theater. It'll be great to get back in there after a three-year hiatus uh, from the Showplace Theater. And uh, like I said, if you haven't been out there lately, the renovation is, I would say, about 90, I'm going to go 96% done. 95 is a good, better number, but I, I, they're really close. They're almost at the finish line. The place looks incredible. It always has been the cleanest, uh, coolest casino experience in the metro area. It looks even better now. Justin and the crew over there was a long road to get all the renovation done and make sure they get as many games. You know, basically all the gaming was still intact. They were just moving the renovation to different areas of the casino. Did a great job with it. Nearly complete. So, shout out to our friends at Riverwind Casino. And don't forget, we have coming up a week from this Saturday, May 27th, the first show of Beats and Bites 2023, presented by Coop Aleworks. It'll be 38 special and Blue Oyster Colts. A little southern rock to a little classic rock. Godzilla. What a great song. And you play Don't Fear the Reaper. That's the original More Cowbell song. So you'll get plenty of cowbell at Beats and Bites 2023. Are you ready for more cowbell? Do you you don't I got a fever. There you go. You know it. <laughs> Very the good. only prescription. It's more cowbell. Christopher Walken was so perfect for that too. Classic. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to the uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Kendall wants to know what's your favorite game to play at the casino. My favorite game to play at the casino would be Open the Vault. Elaborate. It's a electronic gaming machine, and I've won some money off that one more than any other, so I open the vault. And Shay's done very well there as well. So I also you stick like with what works. Rembrandt's Riches has been pretty good to me too. That's an older one, but it's still Rembrandt gives it up every now and then. Then I'm a very appreciative. Appreciative. Gunny of Stutzman Army says, "I bet it was a hell of a show. I'll find out tonight. More cowbell." Uh, let's see what else we got. So what you're saying is we can't see it, but they're close. I don't know what that's in reference to. Did we say something about Oklahoma being close? I uh, maybe referencing Mule Shoes' old commentary about um, maybe about the renovation hmm. at Riverwind. They are close. I'm telling you, they're just about done. Steely, play the Texas Monkey bit. I, I mean, do you want to hear that? We I, listen. I can you. I don't want. It? I don't want to hear it. But the listeners' desires take precedence. We've over mine. had like three people. I, I just looked at this the other day, and the only reason we played it because I thought, I mean, I knew what it was. It was about the Texas assistant coach who was dating the pole assassin, and the pole assassin, a stripper in the Austin area, who worked with a had incorporated a monkey into her act called known as Gia the Monkey. 
So I knew it was about that, but I'm like, what did I put together about that? It was from yesterday's date. It should be in there. Just, uh, oh, there we go. So it just said the Texas monkey incident. So I thought, you know what? Let's just, out of curiosity, I don't put any cursing stuff in there clearly. So I thought it'll be good to play. But what did I put together? And this is how it went down. The Texas monkey incident. My apologies in advance. Clearly, we're in the midst of the struggle. Sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! That monkey monkey! The eyes of Texas are upon you until Gabriel blows his horn. How can we change that around to the pole assassin? Until the pole assassin. Something. Something not tawdry. I don't know. When we're trolling Texas, I much just prefer to run the 8-bit Texas fight song. You have the 8-bit Texas fight song? Well, it's somewhere in that file folder. I don't know where. It's still cool to play Sam Ellinger. We're back, right? I mean, that's got like a 15-year lifespan, right? It'll never, like, until Texas is actually back, Mm -hmm. which is not in the immediate future, we know that much. Until Texas is actually back, yes, it's going to be evergreen. So, yeah, what do you think the shelf life is? Was that a Sark press conference? Yes, yes, it was. So, thank you, Gunny. Yeah, I, I must say your ears start to bleed about halfway through that, though. You can't three the, or three or four of the monkey whoops are funny. Yes. Once you get up to like nine or ten, it's like okay, please stop. That's, yeah, yeah. Please spare me the misery. Five oh one. I don't think that'll be the lyric, but thank you. <laughs> the eyes of Texas are upon you till the pole assassin. I don't. I don't know. I'm looking for a lyricist here. Yeah, you can't read the rest of that text. No, 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 no. Risque, to say the least. Very risque. Very tawdry. Very tawdry. So, uh, anyway. Uh, Urban Meyer thinks Texas is back, right? He he said recently they, uh, they might have the best roster in college football. Yeah, I don't know what he's on. Urban Meyer, who has proven to be a very questionable human, out squeezing asses, you know. I mean, come on, dude. You're married. He was. He was squeezing that ass like it was Charmin or something. Oh, man. He's been – if he thinks Texas has the best roster in college football, I think he needs to <laughs> hang with Gunny of Stutzman Army and come back down on a left-handed cigarette. And allegedly walked by the Jaguars kicker in practice, kicked him in the ass and said, make your kicks dip. Boop. That's coaching right there. That's good positive reinforcement. 
I'm sensing a common thread with all of this Urban Meyer discourse. I'm not a big Urban Meyer fan. I just, you know, like I said. All right, enough. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank everybody out there who texted in today on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Appreciate our friends at Riverwind. We'll talk to you guys and gals tomorrow. Locked in, coming up next. <laughs> 